Zubin. Angelo. <laughs> How are you? Never been better, brother. <laughs> good to hear it. Yeah. Good to see you, man. Yeah, good to see you. So how has uh how has this last week gone for you? It's really hard to talk about. It's almost like you can't say anything because it didn't happen to anyone. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's two people apparently kind of woke up together to a new nothing. I mean, mm. it's, I don't even know how to talk about it. I can talk about the story of it pretty easily, but mm. the energetics of it are impossible to convey it. I, so I think it started like this, you, <laughs> a few months ago, weeks ago, I was sitting on YouTube. I'd come back from a, the North Carolina retreat that, that we'd been at, and I was kind of blown wide open. And during that retreat, um, when I came back, my wife was clearly uncomfortable. Like she'd been having a hard time. She'd taken on a new role uh, at, at her job at Stanford and it was busy. And I disappeared for five days to do this silent retreat and it come back just wide open. And, um, but I could sense like there was something not right. Like clearly there was a tension. And I've, I've always felt a little bit alone, like seeking whatever this is, like this sense of, I have to travel this journey, but I'm alone in my own home because how can anyone understand even what this is? And if they're not interested, I don't want them. They, I don't want to force anything on anyone. There was a period where I went through that, like, oh, come on, this is really, it doesn't work like that. So I think, I think a lot of people can relate to that. Like uh, many, probably most people who get sort of taken by this, um, this, this process, this yearning or unbinding, whatever you want to call it. Uh, find that their partner, their family, loved ones don't get it. Sometimes it's not the case, but often it is the case. And I would say that's probably the majority of people going through this. So, so many people can relate to what you're talking about there. Mm. You know, it's it it's it's almost like they don't they don't get it, but it's that there's a little self-reflective shame. Like, what am I doing then that my closest loved ones can't share this? I feel like to some extent, there's a kind of abandonment, like I'm leaving this. And this is kind of central to how this unfolded actually, because when I came back, my wife, who is very has incredible degrees of equanimity at baseline, has never been on any spiritual path, but her whole kind of life has been just this exercise in, trying to find inner peace to this degree, literally by being the peacemaker kind of personality type. And she, that morning I was getting the kids ready for school and I was, and I told her, I said, so next year this is happening again. And I, I just have to go, I have to go again. It's just so important for all these reasons. And, and you could feel like, okay, that was the last straw. And at that point through pretty much clenched teeth, she's, telling me how she feels and she doesn't do this. Like, and it was just this opening of all this anger, this feeling of abandonment, this fear that what I was doing was a way to avoid what was already here, which is them, the family, her. And she mentioned that, you know, some of this came down to this feeling about when we'd moved to Las Vegas, she was having a very hard time when we first moved, but I was opening up. I'd had that first kind of shift and was finding a kind of tribe and a, and, a, and a thing, but she'd been pulled out of hers. And that kind of difficulty adjusting was something she bottled up and repressed, but really she was quite angry um, 
with me actually. And, and she said, and I've been sitting on this and I've been sitting on now the feeling now that the same thing is happening, even though we're here. Can I ask and, you a question about that? Yeah. Um, not to cut you off. I mean, this is deep stuff, but, but I always like to make it accessible to people who are probably relating to this. When, when she said to you or suggested maybe that you might be using this to avoid responsibilities in some sense, I'm actually, no, you don't. I know. And I think she knows you don't in the, in a practical sense, but at some level that was a concern for her. When she said that to you, did you feel how did you feel about that? Was there something in you just saying, well, I'm not, but but I don't know if I can relate what I actually am attuning to here. It's a very hard thing to explain to somebody when they see it through a certain paradigm. Um, I'm curious how you reconcile that Like in that conversation. Did you feel, you probably understood what she was saying and felt it, but did you take it on board or were you able to relate it to her somehow that what this is actually about for you. Yeah. So you kind of ESP'd exactly what I was going to say, which is when she said this, there was so much anger and emotion that I never see in her. And instead, because I was so open from the retreat, instead of immediately contracting around the thought that, oh my God, she's blaming me for this thing that isn't me. And, and, or maybe it, maybe it is this. And, and all those thoughts, I just suddenly was like, oh my God, look at this person in front of me that I haven't seen. And I leaned and, and leaned right into it. And so I just opened the space for her to express. And then she opened to say, okay, so what is it you're doing? Mm. And, I, and it was exactly that. It was wow. exactly that. It was like, I can't say, and that's what's so hard because I see you suffering. Of course you would feel that way. Of course, from your standpoint, it would feel that way. And just holding and, and saying, of course I'd feel the same way. It feels like a betrayal or an abandonment or an avoidance, but it's actually the opposite. I, I'm trying to come back here without being in this dreamland. And it's impossible to talk. And so what happened then was a shift. You could feel it perceptually. This was months ago after that retreat, this little shift where it was like, oh, we saw each other in that way. We said, oh, this is what's happening. And the rest of that day, we just spent together opening and talking about it. And I was trying to point to what this is like, and you could see she was interested, but also wouldn't quite grok it. Mm -hmm. um, and so, that opening lasted maybe a couple of weeks and then we started to fall back into our conditioned pattern because she goes back to work, I go on with my thing and we're back in that usual, you feel like that kind of subtle feeling like you're driving with the brakes on, like you're in a relationship, but it's in a pattern and it's all very safe, mm. but there's something wrong. Like there's something deeply untrue about it. Mm. Um, and that continued through the Zoom retreat that you did where, I found a lot of frustration and resentment arising in me actually relating to that inner counter we had originally. I'm like, oh, I'm feeling all this anger. Why? Like, where's this coming from? Like, I'm not the one who should be angry. She has every right to be upset, but then I'm feeling anger and I couldn't figure it out. So that goes on. Mm. Then, and, and then we're back in our usual pattern of relationship. Kids are fine. Everything's fine. She's doing her job. We're going on by all textbook standards. Perfect. No problems. Not, but not connecting about this deepest thing for you, maybe for her too, but that's like not quite crystallizing yet, I guess, maybe something like that. It had completely evaporated to the point where if I talked about it, I felt like I was speaking an alien language to an alien and we just weren't understanding each other. I have to so ask if I, you something. Yeah because I don't, I don't have this experience because of the way this happened for me first. And it was so long ago, but I talk to people very frequently, often a husband who's going through this, who is like, tells me how much they try to talk to their partner or spouse or wife about it. And I always kind of wonder like, what do you say? Like, what are you trying to, cause I don't, I would never know what to say. I, I just have an instinct. I would never talk about this to one, no matter how close they are to me until they're ready to hear it because I know what it can do. You know what I mean? So I'm always like, what do, what do you, how do you package that? Like, what are you trying uh -huh. to do? Are you trying to get them to get buy-in? Are you trying to get them on the same page with you? Or I'm just curious, like, and it's sure it's different for everybody. You know, I haven't thought about it this way, but this is what it is. 
you're desperate. You're not, you're not fully there yourself. There's so much identity pulling onto this thing of awakening or realization that in a way you're trying to show your loved one because you care about them, what you understand about this and you want them to have it almost as a, as a way of kind of controlling the situation. Like now, well, now it's more comfortable for me. But like you said, the realization is that there's nothing that can be said. Anything you say does violence to the, to the thing because it's not a thing. So it's just, it's so paradoxical and it's so yeah. ultimately part of the human resistance pattern. And that's known only in retrospect. Mm -hmm. At the time I would have been like, well, you know, I'm just further down the path and mm -hmm. I'm, you know, she's not ready to hear it. That, that wasn't it at all. She was, mm -hmm. so you'll, you'll see when you see what happened that this is nonsense. It's insanity. So, so you know, so, so it's interesting because what we're touching, I know I keep delaying this, but no, it, no, we're touching on good to material. It's uncommon that you and I touch on something we haven't actually talked about in this setting in some way. And this, I don't think we really have. And two things, one is spiritual materialism. Mm. And then the other one is co-opting. So spiritual materialism, I just tasted it when you described that, like, you feel like I have something, I have this thing and I really want you to have it. I want you to understand it not realizing that's co-opting. There's something in you that's going, don't let go, don't let go. Here's how you're going to distract yourself from letting, really letting go. You're going to try to make that person understand what you know spiritually. And right. It's very hard to see. I, we can laugh at it, but it's very hard to see when it's happening because you feel very sincere. Like it feels sincere. Like I really care about this person. I really want them to understand. And that's actually not what's happening. <laughs> it's a distraction. Uh, and it's, it's fascinating how this subtle co-opting can start to happen. You know, anyway, that's what I picked up from what you were saying. It's, it's exactly that. And it's only seen in retrospect for me where it, I'm, I'm laughing so hard right now, what you're saying, because I'm like, yeah, in retrospect, it's absurd. It was so obviously that kind of grasping, like spiritual ego, trying to, trying to control, trying to hold, trying to, uh, all those things, because when you, yeah. <laughs> so, so, so this obviously is a, is a recipe for failure. Uh, it, it's clearly not going to work. And the underlying repression, the underlying mechanisms of identity are still grinding away in the relationship. So, and of course, at the time I would have said things are great. Um, so then, you know, around the time of that first retreat, my wife is quite open because we've had this conversation. And so we're looking through YouTube and I'm like, so here's a great clip from Angelo's retreat that I think might resonate with what I was pointing at. And she'll watch it. And later she told me, she goes, I watch it and I kind of, I just don't get it. And uh, I was like, okay, that's no problem. I actually really felt that way. I'm like, that's no problem at all. I know how this is. And then up pops in the algorithm, this little cute Asian girl in a graveyard and the title of the video was something like, you know, they don't tell you what you lose on this journey. Like, and so we start watching that video and I've never seen Suzanne Chang, Suzanne non-duality before. And we're both kind of like, what is this? And so we, we watch and we're like, I watched the whole video and I kind of look at her and I go, I don't even know who that is, but that was the clearest thing I've ever heard. And my wife said, ah, now this, I kind of understand. And that was kind of like, wow. So we watched a few more and, I, and then I followed it away. I kind of subscribed to her channel and I followed it away. And then I pinged you and I was like, hey, Angela, what do you think of Suzanne non-duality? And you said something like, oh yeah, she seems really clear. Like I'll probably interview her on the show. And I thought, okay, great. Okay, fast forward to, I get a message from you weeks later, months later. And it says, I just interviewed Suzanne and something to the effect of like, that was just amazing. Like I was very few interviews I do where I feel like this about this. She's very clear, very, there's, there's the, I forget exactly what you said, but there's this balance between the feminine opening and emotion and the masculine disintegration aspects of how she's pointing. And I was like, oh yeah, that's it. That's it. Then I watched that interview and I was like, this is purely energetic. Like the way they're taught, I could feel it. I was right there. And then you said in that same voicemail, you said, she has to come and see you uh, and be 
you have to do a show or you have to do something. You didn't say exactly. And then you said, let's get on a three-way telegram thread and let's see if she's willing to do that. And we did. And it was so strange. She was she hasn't left her studio apartment since she moved there a year ago, basically to die, to mm. undergo this complete death process where <laughs> she, it's so remarkable, Angelo, she had been on the journey for nine years and was just butting her fucking head against a wall, reading the books, furious that nothing was happening, resting as awareness, resting as the I am sense, doing all the things you're supposed to do. And then, she opens a YouTube channel. She's like, well, maybe I'll talk about this as part of my process. Somebody watches the YouTube channel in Great Britain, her partner, and she talks about this, so I'm not betraying anything here. And they, her partner is very, like is undergoing the same thing, but like really intense. And they basically over the year be, just point to each other and sternal rub each other awake by killing each other, like mm -hmm. allowing everything to arise and to die and to arise and to die. All the structures of identity, structures of self, structures of shame, structures of hurt, of trauma, all were allowed in this safe space to arise. And in the process, she basically died and is dying. And that's what she did in it, where she was. And, and, and it's documented on her channel because she'll go to this graveyard and just say, this is what's happening right now. And uh, so she, I don't know why, said, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll come. And I'm like, sure, I'll get your ticket. You can stay here for a week. And Angela was going to come, but then you said, what? I just said I, my instinct was to let you guys do your thing. And, you know, um, it'd be, I, I just thought it was, you know, you're, you're in my series was so nice because it was just two of us. We gelled together, kind of hung out together for a few days. And the video series was so good. I thought that's probably going to be better served in that format for you and her. That was, that was just my sense of my instinct, like kind of taking, taking everything in. I, 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 whatever it was, I knew it was right too. When you said it, I was like, oh yeah. And she knew too, although she would have liked to hang out and I would too, but it was so correct. So she flies out, by the way, Margaret, my wife was mm -hmm. just, she was like, yeah, that sounds great. Like what a strange thing. Oh, this stranger who I met on the internet. Whom, who my weirdo friend Angelo says <laughs> should come and see you is going to stay in this studio for a week for with no goal. We have no plan. Maybe we'll make a video. Maybe we won't. I don't know what it is. And she was like, okay. So because she'd seen the video and she's like, I like her. There's something about her, yeah. the energy, something about her. Yeah, It's crazy. So she, she comes. Immediately, we're of course in the, I'm in the Suzanne Vortex and we're just, just basically eye gazing, talking about infinity and I'm opening and I'm feeling it. Everything she's pointing, I'm, I'm right there. And then Mar Margaret is there. Like she'll come, like she, Suzanne came to our house, would sit with us and our kids and the cat just all day, just sitting on the couch. We do nothing. Talking, pointing, Margaret sitting here. One time she started pointing very directly, like with me, just direct like this. And I was like, yeah, of course. There's no birth and death. It's always been this, <laughs> eternally this, this radiance, this. How do you talk about it? And it was like that. Margaret's sitting here. And so finally, I, I kind of turned to her and I go, do you think we're crazy? And she was like, I'm just looking at the plant over there and thinking how much I want to kind of really touch that plant. And no, I don't understand a word you're saying. And that, that was it. And then it starts like, so I'm paying a lot of attention to Suzanne because she's here doing this wonderful thing, like just coming out. And so I'll, I'll take her to dinner. I'll make sure she's taken care of in our house. I'm like serving her stuff. And my wife is starting to say like, I don't know what this is, but I'm getting kind of envious of the attention that you're paying to this person. Even though I feel that draw as well, like I'm feeling like kind of abandoned. Like again, that same sense of I'm right here. Why do you need to look for what you're looking for? when it's here, this kind of undercurrent. Mm -hmm. And and so at this point, you know, you can feel that there's a kind of attention. So that's fine. So then I'm like, you know what? Margaret needs to just be with Suzanne for a bit. So I disappear and I let them hang out. Little did I know they were plotting basically my death, more or less, <laughs> both of our deaths, <laughs> but not knowing that that, you know, Margaret didn't know that was happening. And so Suzanne just like, tell me everything, whatever. And Margaret tells her like all this, 
repressed stuff and this feeling of abandonment and all this other stuff. So then I come back and Suzanne is just sitting there and she's like, I just like to hold the space for you two to talk about. I just want you, I, I want you guys to know, and by the way, I'm not doing the story justice because it's a story. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. The energetics of this were beyond the ability to describe and a lot was said and communicated non-verbally, but that all said, she says, I need you both to know that you can handle, each of you can handle what the other one has to say, no matter what it is. Like you can each handle it. You have the infinite capacity to handle it. I know this about you now. It's like day three or four into this. And um, so then Margaret starts telling me some things about her experience, particularly in Las Vegas and so on that are pretty powerful. And she's very emotional. And what I find is I'm unable to feel anything. Like there's a there's a constriction in my chest, but that's it. I can't. And I, and Suzanne said, "So how, how, where are you?" And I and I said, "I can tell she's suffering. I know intellectually what she went through, but I can't feel anything. Like it's very strange. And I and and it hurts to not be able to feel this. And so then we go to dinner, and things are starting to open. You can feel something shifting. And I'd say kind of all the reasons that I repress this stuff and so on. And so there's a little closeness there. We're eating dinner, sushi. It was very nice, wonderful dinner. Then we drop Suzanne off and we go home and we watch some TV to kind of distract. We realize TV is a distraction. Like now in retrospect, it's like when we sit down in front of the TV, it's because we don't want to be together. Mm -hmm. Like we don't want to be with that presence of reality that's staring at us because we're so afraid mm -hmm. of being seen. Mm -hmm. And so- Afraid of being seen. Yes, that's not really afraid, what it not is. Afraid, not afraid of not being seen. Afraid of being seen. Yes. Mm. We're not afraid of seeing the other either. Mm. We're afraid of us being seen. Like where do you think that's where do you think that's rooted? For I mean, it's, widely. Oh, like, it's in it's it's in shame. It's in fear of like uh humiliation. It's in fear of helplessness. It's in Fear, you know, if I'm being totally fucking honest, what it is, it's fear of being seen as we're actually a fucking human and humans are broken fundamentally because they assume they are real and they can't be okay. There's nothing that will make the human okay. It has to die in that sense. And so from that deepest level, there's nothing that you, you if you see me as the human, you're gonna see broken. Mm -hmm. like in that way. And it's terrifying. And so there's that fear of just letting go of that. And so, so, you know, we distract and then this, so we we're going to bed, we're laying in bed, the kids are in bed and she's like, there, there's a part of me physically on my body right here where I'm touching, where you can't touch me. Like, since I can remember, there was a time when it just developed, I don't know when, but no one could touch me here. I couldn't even touch myself here. I, we call it my spot. Oh, don't touch Zubin in his spot. I remember you telling me this, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I remember, you know, some other people at the retreat were trying to help me with that. Like, oh, you know, what's, the, what's this energy here, et cetera. And that was all just rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. It didn't even touch what this is. So, and my wife know, has known about this. She knows not to touch me here because I'll flinch. Like I'll, I'll step back. And earlier that day, we were sitting side by side on the bed and she and we were talking about Suzanne and you know uh, some honest sort of like feelings that we had here and there about different things that were happening and and then i said and she said you know i feel like this is where you're holding all your repression like this is where you're afraid to be seen like this is it and i'm like maybe i go why don't you touch me there right now and i was just like you know so she does she puts both her hands right there very gently and I burst into tears. Like I couldn't stop sobbing. Like I was contracted and just, it was like watching the documentary, The Work, where that guy finally cracks. You see him just crack. And, and even when I watched the documentary, I couldn't let myself cry, even though I was feeling so much energy at your retreat. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I'm sobbing and then it passes like, like it was nothing, like it's gone. Mm -hmm. So then we, you know, we go to bed. And did you feel something we, different in that space afterwards? There was, a clear, there was a clear energetic opening that it was okay to show that degree of vulnerability to this, this person who is 
if anyone deserves that degree of authenticity, it would be my wife. Mm -hmm. So it felt like, okay, that was the first crack in the dam where like anything can happen now. Like now all this taboo about showing your emotion, talking about shame, all these things with those closest to you. Because look, dude, I can talk to you about this stuff. I would, and I told her, I so I, I told Suzanne when we were talking why I can't express, I said, I could tell Suzanne anything. I can't tell you anything because there's, it feels like there's too much at stake. Yeah, the stakes are high, right? The stakes are high. My whole stability of life, the whole story that we've constructed can fall apart if you see me. Mm. Yeah, so <laughs> in this setting, like it just, it's just like an onion, just you keep peeling back layers and more and more of stuff. And, and so then we're in bed and she's, before we go to bed, cause I'm tired, I'm exhausted now. I'm like, I just wanna go to sleep. I don't even wanna face this anymore. And um, she says, I should punch you right in your spot. <laughs> I, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny because it's so kind of out of character in a way, but it was intuitively right on the money, right? <laughs> it was so out of character for the peacemaker that she is. I was frightened, actually. I went to bed frightened. And um, yeah, it was... <laughs> it was just nuts. I, you know, I wish we didn't even have speaker view where it's going back and forth because seeing us together laughing at this is exactly the expression that it felt energetically. It was like, this was just absurd. Like, I don't even know what's happening. I was lost. So I go to bed, now check this out. And I could tell she was, I was like, this is not the Margaret that I know. This mm -hmm. is the Margaret underneath the Margaret. This is the one that is being seen. And I went to bed very scared and exhausted. I was woken up, I don't know, maybe a couple hours later. And she was looking, and it was like I was, it was like I wasn't even asleep. It was just like, boop. And she was like, I need to tell you something and I need you to feel it. And she touches my spot again. She's like, I need you to feel it right here. And then she starts telling me about the same Las Vegas story, but it goes deeper and deeper and deeper emotionally, like so deep that it has almost no bottom. Like imagine the deepest suicidal despair that you can imagine and your husband doesn't see it. And she's holding me right there and telling me this and she's sobbing, cursing, which she never does, sobbing. And all that energy of emotion is coming through here. And I start sobbing and my whole body contracts and I'm feeling the death of everything I thought was real. I'm feeling the guilt of that. I'm feeling her just awful, awful suffering at that time. And I'm feeling that I was closed to it because I couldn't surrender to seeing, being seen myself. And it was such, it was so horrible. It was like being murdered by the one you care about the most. That's how it felt because she was telling me this truth that she'd been sitting on and it was just horrible. And in all kinds of thoughts are going, but really it was energetic, like just sobbing. And then, so she stopped sobbing and then I couldn't stop. I was tremoring, sobbing, all this, just dying, dying, dying again and again and again and again and reliving. Then, in, then the thought would come, oh my God, if this had happened and then just de another death. And then, oh my God, tomorrow we could be divorced, another death this could all end, another death, a letting go of that, a letting go of that, a letting go of that, until finally, and I'm not even doing this justice, like you know, it's just, these are words. I finally just collapse in exhaustion and fall asleep and she's just holding me like this. And then I wake up and I'm just numb. Uh, it's like somebody who's been killed. I'm completely like numb and then I can't even really talk to her because it felt like the worst, darkest secret that had ever existed had come out between us and our everything was done, like that was it. And of course it's not that, right? Even on the relative level, it's not that. But energetically, it felt like this is all done. And so as I went across the day, take the kids to school, I just ignore her. I'm angry, like anger is welling up and the stories are coming now in me. And I have to say this, I've never felt angry at my wife. I've never felt angry at my wife. Uh, and she's 
known that. She's like, you never get angry with me. We don't fight in that way. Like what's going on? I'm surely I've done things to piss you off. No, never felt angry. So I'm rage is starting to come up. Resentment, like how dare she hold on to this for so many years? How dare it be, be feel like it's me that was to blame when all she had to do was say something? How dare this? And, and my whole life that I've built, this, felt, this I felt that night. So everything that we built in Las Vegas, the whole Z-Dog MD, the clinic that we did, the whole unfolding, the awakening, everything, all that shit felt fucking gone. Like none of it actually mattered or happened because it was built on this atrocious, hideous, hidden thing, this hurt that I didn't even see. So it invalidated everything. The whole identity was invalidated. <laughs> And rage, 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 like, oh my God, I'm so angry. And so I was just fuming. But I, of course, the way I express anger in that way was just, I shut up. Like I got moody and I shut up and I didn't say anything. I went and saw Suzanne. I told her all of this. And she was like, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and just, I processed it in that way. I told her about my anger. I told her about everything that happened in detail. And she's like, wow. So, you know, how about that? So then I drive home because we were going to have dinner with Suzanne later. I drive home and my wife is walking on the side of the street from a nearby cross country trail that we often would walk together. And she's covered in mud, like her shoes are covered in mud. And I'm like, this is not like my wife. She avoids the dirts. Hmm. And I'm with my kid because I picked up from school and I'm just like, I roll up, I'm still pissed. I still can't really talk to her. Roll down the window, I'm like, hey, hop in. So she hops in the car and we drive home. And then... I grab Suzanne, bring her back to the place and plop her in front of Margaret. Cause I'm like, I, I, I can't even deal with this. And when I come back down, Suzanne looks at me and goes, you know, I think Margaret had an awakening. Like, I don't think I know she's had an awakening. I look at my wife's face and it's just radiance, mm -hmm. just the radiance that you know. And I'm like, what? And I was like, what even is this? And so we talked a little and I'm like, oh, so then, you know, we go, we go to dinner and we kind of process it a little. No, 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 this is what happened. Sorry, I'm having trouble with time and story now. This is what happened. I, I, Suzanne says, I think I feel like I wanna be alone this evening. And I'm like, okay, so me and Margaret will go to dinner. So we go to this little shitty Chinese restaurant that we go to and we're sitting across from it and we're tense, there's tension. I can tell, I'm like, oh yeah, she's awakened. But now I'm feeling alone. <laughs> now I'm like, she's already surpassed anything I could ever achieve. Cause look she's at on her. the other foot. <laughs> totally, like I, I could tell, I'm like, I've seen this, like I've, I've been here actually, like this is, this is a different level. And it was a different level. Like the th anytime she opened her mouth, it sounded like a Zen master was talking. Mm -hmm. Anything she said was like, oh shit. Like this is ancient wisdom and she doesn't know any of that because she's never read a word of spirituality. She's never meditated a minute in her life. This was the first thing. And so her whole life was a meditation basically. And so we're sitting across from each other and I'm sorry, this is so long-winded, but it kind That's of great. unfolds. Oh, this is awesome. So just interrupt me, but <laughs> we're sitting across from each other and I say, okay, I need to tell you how I feel, which that doesn't really happen with us. And I said, here's all the reasons I'm angry. And let me tell you, like all the things that I've done, I've been fiercely loyal to you. Like I've never wavered. I've had all kinds of, I've become famous in this journey. Like, and I've never even thought that it was for anything but this. Like I've, I've sacrificed and it all feels gone because I never asked you to repress that. I never asked you to do those things, but now I feel like it's all me and I'm so ashamed. Like it, it's, and I'm angry. I'm like, just so mad. And, uh, and, and it was, you could feel like she was emotional, but she was also wide awake. And so she could bear it infinitely. So she could feel, I could see she was feeling the emotion. And then she said, You've never gotten mad with me. You put me on a pedestal, I think. And I'm like, I do. She's like, that's not where I belong. And, and then we just started opening up right there over the shitty Chinese. The waiter thought we were crazy because we we're both crying. <laughs> <laughs> 
And he's like, get out of my restaurant. And I'm like, why are we crying? Um, and it just, then it just started snowballing the opening, the authenticity. And it just, that evening was just unconditioned love, opening, crying, sobbing, everything that you could imagine unfolded in that evening. And I was having these massive shifts and it was like, because a piece of me that had held on, the piece that was clear to me was holding on to this idea of this family that I didn't want to abandon really. They're now gone in that sense, energetically. And what was here was them in reality. Mm -hmm. And it allowed this just absolute, and then she, uh, it's just indescribable, Angelo. Like yeah, so that, much, yeah. That's something to 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 reiterate, I think, or restate what you just said, because it's really important. And this is this is a, a concern or a fear that holds people up early on before any shift happens, and then significantly after a shift. And and it's what you said, you were holding on to your family as you thought they were. You're afraid to let go, or some story was saying you're afraid to let go of them the closest people to you, truly, in, in all sincerity, the most important people to you, the people you live for, um, you were afraid to let go of them. That's the story. But the truth is, you, what you really let go of was was an image. Was And then when you finally let go of that, you can see what's actually there, which is mysterious beyond all imagination, which has no boundaries, which is beautiful and you know, personal and completely impersonal. Uh, but, the, but our filters are so strong sometimes and they're even the most um, admirable filters we have in a way, right? That that, that which is the most important to us is what we construct a, um, a, a sort of Trojan horse out of or a, um, a straw man, whatever you want to say it. And, we, and then we convince ourselves that that's what we're struggling with. It's that, that dependent origination that Zen Buddhism talks about. You know, the, the one that, is holding on is dependently originated with the idea of what it thinks it's holding on to in the first place. And neither are real. Isn't that weird? It's <laughs> exactly, it's so exactly right. <laughs> and so then what what's happened? revealed, you know, Jeff Foster has one of the most beautiful and poignant passages about this I've ever read. It's in his book, the deepest acceptance. Mm -hmm. And it he said, it's the first time I walked into the kitchen and saw my father for the first time. Yeah, It's so beautiful. Like it brings tears to your eyes, it brings tears to my eyes every time I read it. And he, he just looks, he just says, I just looked at him and I, for the first time I saw him, you know, and I think his father at this time was like having some dementia and so forth. And, you know, he said, I, I was always looking through what, what I needed him to be as a father, who I thought I needed to be as a son. I was looking through the memories. I was looking through all of these filters and I never saw what was there. And when I saw what was there, he was a work of art. You know, the, the milk dribbling from the corner of his mouth when he has, he was trying to eat his cereal, his, his shaking hand, you know, just his, everything about him. And uh, it's a beautiful, it's a three or four page passage. It's just gorgeous. And uh, yeah. that's what's available to us. It's, you know? it's, it's, um, it's seeing somebody for the first time that you deeply cared about, even in the relative, even in the story, even with those admirable filters to see them as they are and then watch it unfold. I mean, it's indescribable to anybody who's watching, who's in a relationship and they want that, I, they're feeling that. Like tr you have to trust, you have to trust, you have to trust so much. My wife said this perfectly. She said, I let you go. And by letting you go fully, I can love you exactly as you are. Mm -hmm. And it, it feels like that. I had to let all of it go. I had to imagine, not imagine, I had to know the next day that none of this, it, I, it, it's, it could all be gone and that's okay. And as soon as that surrendered, the stakes that I said were so high that wouldn't let me open, those stakes were now, it was higher not to open. It, it does, just doesn't even matter. Those stakes, even the question of stakes doesn't make sense. Mm. It's just openness, that's all. And since that day, and then and then we go and see Suzanne and she's like, holy crap, like, wow. And and just anything she says is like, oh, it just facilitates more opening and more opening and more stories come out and more repression comes out. And it's like shadow work on 
methamphetamines <laughs> in the next two days, like all the shit coming out. Right. And we're just wallowing in misery, but it's joyous. It's like a, it's like such a release, like a, like a misery orgasm where you're just like all this shit that was inside <laughs> is now coming out. And, um, and it just kept, it just keeps going. So even now my wife's in the other room on a zoom call doing the first freaking. she's on a sabbatical. Thank God. So she can, but she still has to do these meetings. And, mm. and it's, it's funny because today she's, she's saying things like, you know, I was brushing my teeth and um, it just became clear that I started having thoughts and I started to tense in the body. And I noticed, wow, when I have thoughts and I, I believe them, I, I find tension in the body. Maybe mm. I should just pay attention to the tension. And then she's like, but wait, the thoughts aren't even a problem. Mm. They're beautiful. They're like little birds. Like, I love the thoughts. Let the thoughts be there too. And I'm just sitting there going, it's like I'm reading, you know, Dogen. Like it, <laughs> <Yeah>. it's <laughs> it, it's ridiculous. And of course I'm feeling all of it. I'm like, ah. Uh, and then all the love, just the unconditional love that's happening back and forth. And the kids, so our youngest is just, is very sensitive, particularly to how mom is. And she just can't, she's just like, what? By the way, the kids like just with Suzanne, they never even asked a question like, who the hell is she? They were just like, so Suzanne's here. And they, and Suzanne would just watch them and they would watch and she would observe and watch how they're you know interacting with it. It's just hilarious. And um, they're just like, what is even happening? But you can tell their own personalities are opening. Like they're showing themselves. Mm, and, uh, and so now, and again, I'm not even doing this justice. We, 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 you know, like we just took a walk this morning in the rain, in the mud on the cross country trail, and we would just stop and just start to just feel energy coming through the body, emotion coming through the body. And then she'd say, you know, I never told you this, but my biggest shame in my residency training was this story. Mm. And the story sounded totally mundane. Like, dude, why would you be ashamed of that? Mm. But I could feel all that shame releasing. Like, oh my God, for you, it was the worst possible thing that could have happened. Mm. And just the beauty of the human experience when it's not resisted, when it's not repressed, when it's authentically expressed. Mm. And it's all, and then we started thinking, well, so in any objective sense, in any like relative sense, this story that just happened to us, we ought to be jumping up and down celebrating like, oh my God, such a wonderful shift. And it's like, you can't recognize what this relationship and this reality is like after this shift. And yet there was nothing different. Mm -hmm. It was all perfect. And even all the beauty of like Angelo and Suzanne or somehow magically orchestrating this without knowing even what was happening, but yet knowing this is exactly what needed to happen, all the gratitude that arises from that, it was just perfect. It was like, but it had to be this way. Mm -hmm. And then she said, you know, it came to me and it's always been known now to me that we were together to wake each other up. Wow. And not only that, but she, and she was very direct. She said, you just doing what you do wakes me up. And my jo job is to get you out of your head and into your heart, into your mm. body. Mm. And she goes, that's always been my job. Mm -hmm. And and now it's happening. And she said, that's why, she, she told me this for the first time. She said, that's why I murdered you that night. Because I knew, Suzanne had said, there's nothing you can't handle. And I knew it intuitively. And I knew that's what you needed. And it's what I needed to let that shit go. And she's so wise, dude. Like, it's just crazy. Like, he's, I, I just see her as just, a perfect expression of just the universe being the universe. Love it. Love it. Love it. When you get, when you start getting awake people around each other, um, really crazy things start happening. Like this whole thing uh, is bigger than us. Like uh, just the, the awakenings that have occurred, like with you and your wife and the effect that'll have on your children, anyone you y'all come in, in contact with. Um, the energetics of this are so far beyond the human dimension. This is this is the way it expresses in this local set of conditions, and it looks miraculous. And it is. It is miraculous. But the miracle is that this is just one local set of conditions in an infinite, vast array of conditions that we can't even begin to, to imagine. But we are directly in contact with it at all times. Yes. At, at every yes. level, actually. At every level. 
even the relative it, confusion level and the frustration level and the repression level and all of that. It's so funny. That's that's exactly it. Is it's all just it's all this. It's mm -hmm. all this. It's yeah. all exactly that. It's all interdependent in a way that is so beyond us and yet mm -hmm. is imminent. It's right here. You feel it. So you yeah. recognize it. We call it synchronicity. It, it, even that's just silly. Mm -hmm. It's just how things are. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they're not any way. <laughs> it's it just... very, very, very simple. Yeah. Because this is a such a powerful conversation, maybe the most powerful conversation you and I have ha ever had, certainly on your end, as far as what's played out in the last week in your family. Um, and yet when we walk out of this setting, when I stand up and turn off the mic and you will turn off the mic, it's just the next thing and everything's gone, 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 gone. That's the, that's the death that just keeps on giving, <laughs> but it also is also the aliveness and the complete immersion that's impossible without that full letting go that keeps on happening. And it's splendid and marvelous and totally mysterious and full on all the time. Yes. That's Doesn't all get I better than that. That's it. Can't get better than that. And you know, and then just one thing I'll say, it just came to me relating to exactly that. When that's the nature of reality, when it all falls away, it's experienced fully as everything, mm. as everything. Mm. And it all falls away right after. And the next thing is experienced as everything. The universe is just undulating in and out of mm. life only here. How can you hold anything against anyone like that you love. So you now you're in a relationship and you both understand this truth. You're realizing it, you're living it, you're living truth, living itself. How would you hold anything that you could tell me, she could tell me the worst possible thing about something that's happened in her past and I would feel it and it would be gone. There's nobody responsible. There's no blame. There's no guilt. If those things are experienced, they're experienced instantly as everything. Mm -hmm. They're gone. They're gone. Yeah. And they're gone. Like that's the perfect relationship in a way. Yeah. yeah. You know, and what, what Suzanne told you is is actually right on the, the perfect timing, of course, when she said you have the capacity to take whatever comes from the other, whatever needs to be communicated. And at the same time, she was communicating something that has nothing to do with humans, has nothing to do with people. This, 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 this unbinding this complete mystery has the has infinite capacity and to the degree that we not just knowingly engage it but literally die into it you engage that capacity by what's not there by not being there at all by being your complete absence um it gives rise to everything and the what that can do is flabbergasting i mean what you and i did just by making a series of videos pretty haphazardly as far as planning we had no idea what the fuck we were doing. That changed a lot. Like how many people have woken up because of that series, because of the attention, the book got, the YouTube videos, you and I's ongoing conversations, your conversations with others. It's astounding. And and the the access this is given to people who would not normally be interested in this type of stuff at all. Um, at all. I was, I, someone actually, uh, I was on a podcast yesterday, um, some gentleman who's a friend of a friend and, um, one of the things that came up in that was he asked me at some point because he really didn't understand what I was talking about. Really. He was like, he's interested for sure, but it was definitely like his mind was on tilt. And so I was trying not to be too direct and stuff. And at some point he's like, do people just tell you you're crazy? Like, do people just think you're crazy talking about this? And I, I thought about it. I was like, you know, I think I have a pretty good discernment of when to talk about it and when not to. So most of the people who hear me talk about it, either I've already read my book, they came to my retreat, so they know what they're getting into. But I thought about it and I said, you know, Z-Dog MD and myself did this series of interviews. And I was astounded by the response we got from that, from people who are just not classic spiritual seekers at all. They didn't have that much spiritual interest, like, you know, spiritual topics and so forth just weren't their thing. Not a lot of woo-woo. We're skip, pretty skeptical, scientific-minded people, a lot of like atheistic type people, and they were full on about this. And so this, whatever we're talking about here, um, or let's just say life, uh, it has such amazing ability to to uh, to change and shift and fluctuate and accommodate and do mysterious things. 
amazing mysterious things and that's that's what this is we're talking about and it does crazy things like what just happened in your family and what i've seen happen in other families and so so anyone listening and you're in the situation where you have a partner you want to wake up and they they don't get it and all that like that i get the frustration of that it's, and it's it's a it's a big deal like you know, for the person but keep attuning keep trusting in this unbinding keep trusting in the mystery of it not in your version of it and what you think it's supposed to do for you and your family. Keep trusting that unbinding and you might be really surprised what happens just like you were. Yeah. 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 That's it. It's about trusting the mystery, trusting mm -hmm. this beloved mystery at the heart of everything, the smile and the fabric of the universe that opens up and is just like, huh? Huh? Mm -hmm. Is yeah. this? Mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll say one thing that relates to this, the, the self as we know it, which doesn't exist, <laughs> it can't survive this in the way it, it just cannot. And my wife this morning told me, uh, this was a most amazing, it's not a con, it's not an inquiry. She's never done any of that. So none of that spiritual pursuit. She just told me, she goes, you know, I realized I was looking out the window at the pine tree and I just said, I'm not here. Hmm. And that was it, I'm not here. Hmm. And I sat with that, I'm not here. So what is, <laughs> ah, ah, yeah, it's just, I can't, I'm so, I mean, again, I would say that I'm so grateful and all that, but all that's just kind of thinking. It's just mm -hmm. perfect. It's all exactly right. Yeah. 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 There's a, there's a lot that, that, that goes, well, getting maybe a little more technical, but with the, the drop of self, there's a lot that goes away with that, that can be very surprising to people, like their sense of gratitude. I wouldn't say there's much of a sense of gratitude. Even a sense of compassion isn't really there. Yes. And yet in retrospect, when you see things like this happen, there's there's some amazing transcendent wisdom and compassion going on. But it's nothing I'm doing. It's definitely not. You know, it's it's mysterious. It's really mysterious. It's um, it's a it's a total mystery because there's nobody to hold the position to have compassion in that sense. It's just it shows up like you said. Yeah. It's like the natural unfolding. There's a famous story in Zen, and I I tend to screw up the details of the story, but the gist of it I know is intact. There was a, um, I want to say, I don't know if it was an emperor, but uh, some sort of leader was going to, going to get installed in Japan at some point, at some level. And it would be traditional to go before a Zen master and look for a blessing or ask for a blessing or advice or something. And so this person, let's call him an emperor just for fun, went before the Zen master, this well, very well-known, renowned Zen master. And he said, how do you intend to rule? And the ruler said, I intend to rule with compassion and mercy. And the Zen master leaned forward and he said, then each and every one will suffer. Wow. Right? That's it. Yeah. That's it because- That's your, oh, that's your identity right there. Your identity I, right there. Oh, it's going to yeah. be co-opted. It's, it, it's not real. And yeah. that, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so, so this is funny because Mar Margaret, my wife, speaks like this. She's like, I don't understand why people talk about- all this stuff about building, like, you know, doing compassion and, and trying to build it and so on. It feels like the identity trying to make itself something. Mm -hmm. And and look, that's all fine. I think like yeah. you can do that work. I think it's very, it can be very helpful, but this is a different, it's, yeah, yeah. it's not, um, it's not that. No, <laughs> it, it's, and you know, and, and if you do that type of work, I think it's helpful and important to really ask yourself, what are you actually doing and why are you doing it? Are you identifying as the compassionate one because you're going to wreak havoc, you know, yeah. or are you asking yourself, where am I, where am I, where have I been callous in life? You know, maybe how can I be a little more open? How can I be a little more understanding? Like those are probably a little better because they're more open-ended, a little more unbinding than just covering up your, you know, whatever, all the stuff you don't want to see about yourself with a new identity that just says, oh, I'm a good person. Yeah. An extreme example would be like, if you ever meet somebody and they tell you, they, they're trying to convince you how trustworthy they are. Why, why are they doing that? Like if you first meet somebody, you know, it's a personality disorder, right? Someone's yeah. overtly trying to convince you of how honest they are. You're like, wait a minute. Most yeah, people what... don't have to convince me that they're honest. I just trust that they are. You know? um, so that's, that's a, that's sort of an extreme example, but, um, but that, that's how, you know, the, the egoic movement distorts. It's pretty, it can be quite distorting. Yeah. And, and it's very hard to see because you're seeing it through the movement itself. You're seeing it through that lens. So you can't see clearly. Yeah. 
but when it when it when it it only look it only takes a moment to see clearly and in that moment you call it awakening call it whatever like she doesn't even call this awakening it's not even like what even is that it's the same thing you said when you first had your shift it's like i don't even know what i would say about this it's the same exact thing mm -hmm. and and yet and yet it's so apparent to to people around the energy and and that, and that's one thing i wanted to say that i think you talk about it a lot. I think a lot of people don't understand this, like who've had any post-awakening or awakening kind of scenario. And I didn't understand this. Like when I would drop into a sense of consciousness, this thing, which by the way is total bullshit. Like, <laughs> meaning I, I say this with love. We all know this, like, like consciousness is not a thing, um, but it can be a feeling of identity, which is wonderful and it's expansive and it's beautiful and, and it's part of the thing. But, um, when I would feel that, when I would drop into that, I would get jolts of energy through the body, like almost like a like a contraction, and 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 it was distracting. It was almost like it would pull me out of this sense of I am this to what's going on in the body. Mm. And now what I've noticed, and my wife is already having this like unbelievable amounts of random energy coursing through the body. It feels like either a total body orgasm or a total body electrocution or just mysterious, like jumping out of your skin, rooted to the earth and just contracting and so on. And, and uh, it's a part of all of this. You have to kind of surrender. You don't kind of, you, ha you have no choice. You have to surrender to it. I think what was happening is I was trying to identify with something. The identity was trying to identify with consciousness and was trying to do this thing. And, and the body was like doing this and that was a resistance too. And now it's just, oh, suddenly pure energy comes through and the identity relaxes. And it doesn't mean that it's not fluid where I'm now a self and I'm seeing things from that view, but then it just relaxes and it's just, I'm not here. Mm -hmm. And then there's energy and mm -hmm. it's really inexplicable. It's mysterious, but I feel like it has to be trusted a hundred percent. And being around people that trust it, that you can express when it happens and you don't have to talk about it. Like we don't talk about a lot of this. In fact, if this, this you'll enjoy, we're walking the other day and she's had this big shift and I'm like going through the, oh yeah, so this is probably happening and you've had this and you, you know, what you're pointing at is this. And, and she, she's like, she puts her finger and she's like, <laughs> you're in your head again. She's like, close your eyes. And, and I did. And it's funny. I had a moment of like humiliation, like the sense of humiliation rose and then it was gone. It didn't even stick. And I was like, she's so right. And just drop into the body. And then just energy, energetics, nothing, you know, so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This, this is one of those things that's hard, a bit hard to relate. I think to be, especially people who are very heady, um, is that this really is not about thoughts or beliefs or paradigms or waking up from those really to consciousness and all that. It, it ends up being about something physical and energetic. It's a physical energetic process. That's what it is. And when you, when you can engage that directly or when it is just playing out directly, it looks like what you said. It can be like a Kundalini sort of thing, like these intense energy contractions moving through the body. I've heard all kinds of wild and crazy things. It didn't really happen that way for me, although I've had many energies, you know, electrical jolts shooting through the body randomly, weird experiences, hallucinations, noises while I'm meditating and light. I see a lot of light. I get a lot of that stuff, but, um, for some people, it's like they are like contracted on the floor, like a crumpled up piece of paper. Yeah. Adi Shanti talked a lot about this. You're wound up like in a coil almost. And you have to go to someone who can just straighten you out like a chiropractor or someone who knows energy work or something. It's very, it can be quite intense and you can get pain states and you can like, there's a lot to this and, and the avoiding it, the, um, the trying to stay in the head about it. And, and we don't realize how much that is actually repressing our physical experience. This is what animals know that we don't like you'd say, what do animals know about enlightenment that humans don't watch the way they move, watch the way they move, watch the way they shake, watch the way they stretch, watch the way they, they rest a lot, but then they can move and shake very easily and they can move from rest to movement fluidly. They don't hold on. They let go energetically all the time. And they can show you that if you just pay attention. Oh, you, you are so absolutely right. It's a, it's a it's a stopping that sense that we can somehow control what's happening in the body and that re repression element, that restraining bolt that we have, whether it's social conditioning, like don't just start shaking at a meeting yeah. or don't show your, yeah, don't show your wife that you're really emotional about something. And that night that that whole energetic thing went down in bed where she was like, I'm gonna kill you right now. Um, 
I allowed, like you had taught me some TRE stuff, trauma, trauma release ex uh, exercises. And I didn't, I don't even need the exercise anymore. I can just tremor when I need to. And I allowed the body to tremor and all that energy started to feel like it just did its thing. Here's the craziest thing. My wife is, again, I don't want to put her on a pedestal, but she just knows. So she realizes that I am pretty disconnected from my body. So what she does now in the last few days is she'll just be like, hey, stop what you're doing. Lay on your back. I'm just going to touch you. You're going to keep your hands down oh. and relax. And she just, whatever she does, she's like an energy worker. Oh, she's just it. moving energy through the body. I feel it. I start crying. I start contracting. I relax. And at the end, I'm like, I'm so open. People talk about, oh, somehow we can use the mind to like get past the mind and, and open into what is. It's energetic, like you said. It is. It's an energetic process. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like um this is this is quite paradoxical because there is a sort of stage of realization where the 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 experience of form or the illusion of form literally drops away. So the sense of there being a body even can completely disappear. Um <laughs> and yet the body, the conventional term for this this physical apparatus um when that happens, it, it it becomes like an antenna. It's like an antenna. And, and, and you really have to learn one way or another, you have to learn energy management. Now that doesn't mean you have to learn a process or a certain technique, but you have to learn to really trust your intuition to go right into the body. And that's what she's showing you. Like she's going, stop, lay down, let me just do it for you or do it with you. And that's super, super, super intuitive, like amazing. Yeah. And that's, that's that feminine energy. That's so beautiful. That feminine aspect of enlightenment is so it's just 100 intuitive it starts uh, with intuition and it, that's why honestly a lot of times people who are very in the feminine wake up very quickly like she did you yeah. could say her, her awakening has probably been going on for years while she was struggling with her stuff around you and all this like it's not it's not like hey you have to go sit in a zen center and meditate this many hours for this many years and then you wake up that can happen but it can also happen this way <laughs> that's there's a lot yeah, there's a lot going on behind the scenes that even if you're not talking about it, yeah. Yeah, you're seeing it exactly as it is with her. It was a, like a lifetime of this work and mm -hmm. and uh, and and the relationship actually was a crucial piece. Like we we did wake each other up. We're waking each other up. We're doing the shadow together. Mm -hmm. And it comes now like people think, well, will this drive you apart? Well, if it's if if that's how it goes, then that's how it goes. But I can just say from here, mm -mm. No. you're just like merged into infinity. You can say anything to this person and they'll look at you with love, like unconditional, because they're not doing it. <laughs> and is, that not the, is that not grace in the relative world, like to have that availability? That's it, that grace, that's the word, it's grace. I and said by that the way, anyone listening to this, regardless of whether you're in a relationship or not, you can offer that to anybody. That is the greatest gift you can give anybody is to be open to them, listen to them, and accept whatever's going on for them and in them without judgment. If you can do that, you're going to give people the greatest gift you anyone can give anyone. I don't care if you're a therapist, parent, teacher, student, brother, sister, lover, complete stranger. That is a, that is the gift of all gifts in the human spectrum. You know? I love it. That's that's just beautiful. And that this this idea of of the, the that feminine aspect pulling into the body is so powerful. Suzanne's very big on that too. It's, it's for me, like I only realize how intellectualizing I've been about this whole process when this ha this last shift happened for both of us. And now what I find for me is because I feel like identity is so here sometimes, when I just am talking, I'll just close my eyes and suddenly it's just the energetics, the body sense, as you say, it's not even the body, it's the body sense and it's infinite boundless and it is an antenna it's exactly as you say it's it's picking up everything it, the mm. whole environment is the body sense yeah. in that way and you may just start moving intuitively my mm. wife found that she just starts swaying and moving intuitively and this is all in like just a few days you can just it just takes one realization and the floodgates can open I actually have to, uh, I've, well, now I don't notice it as much, but for a long time, I would, I'd have to sort of train myself a little bit, not to sway 
like when I was at work and like around people who would be like, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you sweating? Are you drunk? <laughs> why, is you know? the, why is the anesthesiologist doing a spinal um, yeah. epidural and is swaying? Back? <laughs> but I mean, just like even in social settings and stuff, it would, you know, and, um, but the reason is so obvious. That's the way the energy in the moment's moving. I can feel, I can feel the energetics of the moment. You've seen this in retreats, right? So like the example I can think of is when we were at a Silomar. Do you remember when we did that big circle, huge circle? And I said, all we're going to do is say, here's what I'm, we started it without talking, right? We started our, our um, non-verbal, our verbal part of the retreat day. And usually we would do something social or talk or something. And I said, we're going to start by not talking. All we're going to do is say something I feel in my body. And then the next person's going to say, I heard you say that. And I can feel sort of like that. And I also feel something in my chest now. And the next person would say it. And we went around the whole circle of like 30 some people. And I asked people, I said, how connected do you feel to people around you? And everyone felt very, very connected. I said, do you feel more or less connected than when you talk? And almost everyone said more connected. And I was like, isn't that amazing? The only information we shared wasn't our relationship. Our re we didn't share information about our kids or work or what drama or our past. Or we shared, what does my body feel right now? Sensation. We shared a sensation. That kind of sharing though, that kind of connection is is it was kind of a trick. It's like a force hack. I'm trying to get people directly into their body. Um, and the more you feel that, the more you learn to do that, you realize in that way, you're in connection with everything. You know, this isn't a body. It's a body, mind universe. Yeah. It's just, a, yeah. it's literally one functioning. And, yeah. and to feel that functioning is like, whoa, you feel like a, you know, like a plant at the bottom of the ocean, just swaying with the whole current or, um, it's really beautiful. Yeah. Ah, uh, so beautiful. That's the, I remember that circling and I was so like, wow, mm -hmm. wow. Like yeah, I, so I, simple, so simple. You know, I forget where I read this summer, but dolphins can use their sonar to actually feel the internal state of another dolphin. So they actually can get a kind of an abstraction of what the emotional state of other mm -hmm. dolphins are. I mean, how connected is that? And we're like, well, you know, they have big brains and all that. That's all fine. They're actually more connected than we are. Mm -hmm. Because uh, they can share that if that's true, and and um, and you can feel that kind of energetic, even going out in the world. Like you can open your heart energetically. Ajishanti talks about this, and I thought it was nonsense until I actually was able to do it. Yeah. And people fall into the vortex that that's open. It's you can feel that that kind of connection. It's very intuitive, and it's out of the head. And you just don't want to say a word about it. You don't want to say a word to the other person. You don't need to. Um, it's just absolutely beautiful. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> well, thanks for sharing. <laughs> Thank you. And along the lines of authenticity, you know, I've told you this a million times, but I profoundly and deeply appreciate everything you've done for getting this out there, the book and all the, um, you know, just opening your, your space and all of your knowledge and your, expertise with the conversation and interviewing style and your platform. Like, I really appreciate that on behalf of everyone who comes in contact with it. I'm, I'm, I'm learning to actually take um, those kind of kind words exactly into the body and feel it because it used to be, it would reflect on a sense of self unworth. And I'd be like, Oh, th this guy doesn't see me clearly because mm -hmm. I'm worthless. And so that is deeply appreciated. And going back in your direction, you already know this, but I'll say it directly. Like this is like meeting you, you reaching out, us connecting has transformed my life, my wife's life, my kids' lives, so many lives of so many people everywhere. And it's just a pure expression of the perfection of everything. And I'm so grateful just even to the human Angelo for being <laughs> fucking hilarious, <laughs> for being a friend and a, it's not even teachers, not even the word, but exactly what I needed. So thank you. Well, thank you. <laughs>